Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome to another episode of Titan Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and I hope you're having a great whatever the heck it is you end up listening to this. Me? I'm doing pretty well. I am both excited and a little bit nervous about some fantastic new technology that I just heard about. Apparently, in Argentina, there are companies that are putting these giant backpacks on cows that catch their farts. That's right. There's cows walking around with backpacks full of cow farts. This obviously is hilarious. And also, like, really good for the environment and shit because they actually, like, trap the methane and then use it to, like, power, I don't know, stuff. Like, probably iPhones and shit. So, I mean, obviously, that's pretty exciting technology. That's pretty great. And also, cows walking around with backpacks full of cow farts. That's pretty great. But what makes me nervous is there's always a dark side to these kind of technological advancements. And I worry that what if we take this thing too far. What if we start making other animals wear these backpacks? I don't think it's fair to make a dog wear a backpack full of cow farts, just so it can listen to its iPhone. I don't think dogs even have iPhones. I know Finley is perfectly content using his flip phone. I mean, how's he even going to text? He doesn't have thumbs. Come on, science. Come on. Anyway, without any further ado, let's, uh, do this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Jonathan Grumbles. The highly rated Moyle always gave a tip-top briss. Now let's proceed to a neatly trimmed synopsis. Synopsis. Thanks, Jonathan. New Teen Titans, number 41. April, 1984. Baptism of Blood. Written by Marf Wolfman. Drotted by George Perez. Inkted by Romeo Tangal. Lettered by John Costanza. Colored by Adrienne Roy and edited by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Teen Titan Roll Call, Wonder Girl, Starfire, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Raven, Terra, and Dick. Previously in the New Teen Titans. An indeterminate amount of comic book time ago, about 20 issues, the Titans ran afoul of an allegedly 700-year-old cult leader named Brother Blood, who operated his murderous ministry out of the seemingly idyllic but secretly populated entirely by criminals island nation of Zandia. The surprisingly spry supposed septicentennial captured the costumed crime fighters and tried to feed Robin to a giant spider. Our titular teenagers managed to escape, and in the subsequent scuffle, Brother Blood demonstrated that he had mystical powers which were more than a match for the adolescent adventurers. The battle concluded with Blood faking his own death in a way that gained international sympathy for the Church of Blood and made the Titans look like a bunch of assholes. Since that initial encounter, the gang has been investigating the Church of Blood and trying to unearth evidence of the organization's malevolent nature. Unfortunately for our heroes, one of their main sources of information has been TV reporter Bethany Snow, who is secretly an acolyte of the Church of Blood and has been feeding the Titans false leads in order to lure them into a trap. And as we all know, the Titans are drawn to traps like literate moths to clearly labeled flames. Brother Blood eventually emerged from hiding and revealed himself to the public to be not quite so dead after all. At the behest of the backstabbing Bethany Snow, Dick Grayson, who had recently decided to abandon the identity of Robin and was now going as just plain Dick, 
put on a blonde wig and mustache, went undercover as a TV reporter with the unassuming moniker Joe Walsh, and led a fact-finding force of reporters and Congress people to investigate Brother Blood's headquarters in Zandia. Unfortunately for Joe Walsh, the Church of Blood was equipped with state-of-the-art wig and mustache detecting technology, and the incognito teen was taken prisoner and brainwashed. Guess life hasn't been good to him so far after all. At Blood's command, a brainwashed dick sent a distress call to his teenage teammates who piled into a high-tech submarine, which I guess they've had this whole time, and headed off to Zandia for an ill-fated rescue attempt. When they arrived in the charismatic cult leader's subterranean lair, the trap traipsing titans immediately were knocked out and taken captive. Our imprisoned protagonists were then tied to the six fangs of an enormous demon skull and suspended over the bubbling pool of the mixture of lava and blood of his enemies that is the apparent source of Brother Blood's powers and longevity. Oh! And also, Kid Flash finally quit the team, and unbeknownst to our heroes, the gang's most recent recruit, an abrasive earthbending orphan named Terra, is secretly a double agent working for the Teen Titans arch enemy Deathstroke, a superpowered assassin who uses 90% of his brain, but only 50% of his eyeballs. Gad Zooks! After faking his death to gain public sympathy, what new scheme has led Brother Blood to finally reveal his aliveness? Is Terra having second thoughts about betraying her teenage teammates? And can Beast Boy go this entire issue without sexually harassing his co-workers? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so the startlingly original scheme of faking his death to gain public sympathy. Maybe. Just maybe she is. And, uh, technically yes, but he does use the phrase, what big lube openings you've got. So, still, gross. Damn it, Gar. With a brainwashed and expressionless Dick Grayson looking onward, Brother Blood starts lowering the giant demon skull that our heroes are tied to into the giant pool of lava and enemy blood that the perfidious pontiff likes to scrub up in. Lava must be a pretty great exfoliant, because for a 700-year-old, that guy looks pretty good. The Titan's toes are just about to hit the roiling vat of melted rock and melted enemies when Raven wakes up and sends her shadow bird soul self thing to ensnare the director of this demonic denomination. Raven's avian avatar envelops blood in the weird soul cocoon thing that it makes. Hooray! Or not so hooray. The cosmic chrysalis captures the charismatic cultist for a mere fraction of a moment before the self-styled murderous messiah manages to burst free from its confines, not entirely unlike the way the rock flexed his way out of that full body cast in the Fast and the Furious 7. Raven once again passes out. Can't say I blame her. I'm not an expert on spirituality, but... Having your soul shattered into a million pieces by a dude who dresses like he shops exclusively at Guar's garage sales seems like it'd probably sting a little bit. Fortunately for the Titans, Raven's self-sacrificing soul strike seems to have given Terra enough time to wake up. The diminutive, duplicitous dirt distributor forms a shield of non-molten rock around herself and her teammates. An expectant hush falls over Brother Blood and his congregation. Blood seems almost relieved that the Titans managed to forestall their untimely demise. Hmm. After taking a few seconds to regroup and neglect to assess the nature of their predicament, the Titans burst forth from their earthen encapsulation, like, well, like that one time in the Fast and Furious 7 when the rock flexed his way out of a full body cast. Sorry, I saw that movie a few weeks ago and apparently it made quite an impression. Blood seems to have anticipated his adversary's escape. He pushes a button on his high-tech demony glove, and our heroes are sent sprawling down a spiral staircase that appears to be made out of bones. Then, spikes made out of bones and rocks fall from the ceiling and surround them. Well, I'll say this for Brother Blood. Guy knows how to stick with a motif. Unfortunately for the Titans, they are not alone in their skeletal stockade. 
they are immediately attacked by that giant spider thing that tried to eat Robin, or Joe Walsh, or Dick, way back in issue 22. The teen's arachnid adversary webs up Starfire. Her teammates rush in to help her, only to be ensnared by some creepy green tentacles that start roiling up from underfoot. Gross. Man, that better not be Gar fucking with everybody. Okay, looks like he turned himself into a fly, so I guess he's off the hook. For now. One of the probably not Gar in disguise tentacles reaches out and starts choking the shit out of Terra. Cyborg equips his finger laser and manages to finger blast the adversarial appendage away from Terra's throat. Hooray! Terra looks stunned for a second and is like, Wow, you saved my life. Maybe I've got some thinking to do. Maybe. Hmm. It's kind of interesting that both streetwise sons of wealthy scientists and streetwise Markovian princesses spell the word maybe M-E-B-B-E. Anyway, despite potentially bonding over implausibly similar accents, Cyborg and Terra aren't out of the woods yet, because the mysterious tentacle monster and the giant spider who had been attacking them are soon joined by a humongous scorpion who, well, just kind of lurks there, but it's definitely a malicious sort of lurk. Oh no! How will our heroes escape from this tremendous trio of terrors? Well, Starfire finally gets the webbing gunk off of her hands and just kind of blows all the monsters up in a big old explosion of space fire and ichor. I mean, it's impressive and all, but a little anticlimactic. The whole thing takes her like a second and a half. The Titans stand around the smoking crater of former Spider and discuss their next move. Fortunately, Starfire announces that she has a cunning plan. After a few minutes of conferring, the Titans emerge from the subterranean Skeletorium and confront their cult-leading captor. Brother Blood seems relieved that the team did not, in fact, perish in his alleged death trap. Surrounded by Blood and his heavily armed acolytes, Wonder Girl steps forward and unleashes Coriander's clever scheme. She addresses Brother Blood directly and says, Um, you should give up, cause, um, you should give up. Wow. Blood is taken aback by the Titan's tactical brilliance and replies, Hmm, good point. Tell you what, how about I fight you later in a different part of my temple? Does that work for you guys? The Titans agree. Huh? So, Starfire's plan was really just to get Blood to reschedule their battle slightly and have it in a different location that he also has full control over? Or did she actually think he was going to surrender to them if they just asked nicely. I must say, I'm starting to question the credentials of those space walrus Jedi monks that trained her on Okara. I feel like they might have skipped a few lessons. Meanwhile, in a different part of Zandia, the U.S. Congress people and reporters recruited by Dick in his guise as Joe Walsh continue their fact-finding tour. Apparently, they didn't notice that Joe was no longer with them when they left the Church of Blood's compound. This is why you always use the buddy system. The fact-finding committee, well, actually since the soldiers, the villagers they're interviewing, and the cult members from the Church of Blood who are acting as their tour guides are all putting on an elaborate act for their benefit, they aren't actually finding a heck of a lot of facts, so maybe we should call them a fact-looking-for committee. Anyway, the fact-looking-for committee is visiting an impoverished village. The villagers and cult members explain that Brother Blood and his church want to help feed and clothe the poor villagers, but President Marco and his military, who are in actuality all working for Brother Blood, always try to stop him. As if on cue, because it actually was on cue, a truckload of Marco's troops show up and are like, All right, villagers and cult members, 
We're here to hassle and impress you. And you Congress people and reporters, I sure hope you don't tell anyone how oppressive we are, because that is something that we 100% don't want to have happen. That's for sure. Meanwhile, back at the Church of Blood's compound, the Teen Titans have gathered as agreed in the church's steeple and are preparing to face Brother Blood. Suddenly, and without warning, unless you consider the fact that they agreed hours ago to meet at this time and location for a battle a warning, they are attacked. A horde of fancy robots and tanks appear and start blasting the crud out of the Titans. Hey, that's cheating. This was supposed to be an honorable and totally fair six-on-one battle. I call shenanigans. Starfire starts exploding the automatons, but they're more explodey than she had anticipated, and the gang starts worrying that the assorted cult members who have gathered around to watch the Donnybrook might get injured by errant exploded robo-bits. Terra decides to solve that particular dilemma by once again using her formidable firmament-flinging powers to form a dirt dome, this time around both the Titans and their marauding mechanical assailants. Once the audience's safety is assured, the Titans turn to the task of annihilating their automaton adversaries. Wonder Girl blows up some robots. Starfire blows up some robots. Cyborg blows up some robots. Terra blows up some robots. Beast Boy climbs inside what he calls a robot's lube openings, turns himself into a jellyfish, and lies down for a minute. I guess that turns the robot's brain off or something. Um, okay. Once his mechanized minions have been either blown up or grossed out to death, Brother Blood finally shows up. The sanguinary senior, senior, senior citizen appears at the far end of the room. Terra, Beast Boy, Starfire, and Wonder Girl charge headlong at the pernicious primate. That's primate as in church leader, not primate as in ape, although it would be kind of cool if there was a dude who was both. Cyborg and Raven hang back, Raven because she's still smarting from having her soul ripped to shreds a few pages ago. Fair. But Cyborg senses that something is amiss. His computerized sensors aren't registering Blood's presence in the temple. Uh-oh. Sure enough, true to form, the rest of the Titans are once again rushing into a trap. When the incautious quartet reaches the image of Brother Blood, they are caught in a fiery explosion and rendered unconscious. Oops. Then the real Brother Blood pops up behind Cyborg and Raven and knocks them out as well. Blood soliloquizes as Vic's consciousness fades that he never intended to kill the Titans in the first place. He needs them as pawns in his evil plan. What? A supervillain? With a needlessly complicated evil scheme? Unprecedented! As our heroes slumber, the rest of Blood's fiendishly elaborate, inscrutable plan begins to come to fruition. Acting under orders from Blood himself, Zandian President Marco holds a press conference and publicly declares war on the Church of Blood. As the world looks on in disapproval, troops are mobilized and tanks start rolling towards the Church's compound. Brother Blood's puppets are doing his sinister bidding. Speaking of puppets, back at Blood's headquarters, the Titans are trussed up to a power grid and hanging from the wall like marionettes. I'm pretty sure the poses they're in are supposed to be reminiscent of crucifixion, but honestly, all I can think of when I see that image is the cover of the InSync album No Strings Attached, which, yes, is very embarrassing for me. Blood gloats villainously that the Titans will never escape and that they're totally gonna die soon. So, wait, just before Cyborg passed out a few minutes ago, Blood told him that he was keeping him alive for a reason. Was that reason just so that he could kill them a few minutes later? Vic sasses Brother Blood, and Blood responds, 
Sass me, will you? Well, then I'll just have your old buddy Dick, who I totally know used to go by Robin, and more recently than that went by Joe Walsh, pop in for a minute so that he can push a button that will kill you with a laser cannon. How'd you like that? Well, turns out he wouldn't like it very much. Neither would the rest of the Titans. As Brother Blood yells at a brainwashed Dick to push the button, the rest of the Titans yell at him not to push the button. What a dilemma. Dick's finger hovers over the button for a second. Then, Starfire declares her undying love for him. This seems to break Brother Blood's hold over the former boy wonder, although whether it was his reciprocated love for Coriander or sheer panic at the thought of that level of commitment that shattered Blood's control is anybody's guess. I certainly have my suspicions. In any event, a newly unbrainwashed Dick Grayson smashes the control panel, freeing his buddies. Hooray! A furious brother Blood blasts Dick, but then Cyborg sucker punches the shit out of Blood. Hooray! The Titans prepare for round, I don't know, what, eight or nine of their battle with the sinister skull-hatted 700-year-old, but their tussle is interrupted by the explosive arrival of Zandian troops, who start firing their tanks at the church, toppling the ancient structure. Brother Blood is like, Oh no! President Marco, who is totally my enemy and doesn't work for me at all, has sent his troops to destroy me in a way that I absolutely did not order him to do. Alas! Alack! Now some equipment is falling on me! I'll surely die from that! Then some equipment falls on him. There's a big explosion, and even though they never find a body, everyone assumes that Brother Blood is dead. For some reason... Blood's most loyal chief acolyte and spokesperson, Mother Mayhem, is like, Teehee, it worked. But I wouldn't read too much into that. People react to grief in a lot of different ways. The Titans pile into their submarine and head back home to their T-shaped skyscraper. On the way, they unwind by watching the news. The spokespeople from governments around the world are condemning Zandian President Marco as a total asshole and are praising the late brother Blood, as a totally legit religious leader who was unfairly persecuted. The members of the Congressional Fact-Looking For Committee all vow that they will do their utmost to see that Brother Blood's followers are welcomed in the United States, and that new churches will be established there for them to worship at. So I guess the takeaway from this is supposed to be that if the U.S. allows the immigration of refugees who are fleeing persecution for their religious beliefs, then it's probably the result of a supervillain's evil scheme. Yeah. Not great. The news also reports that there was one American casualty of the recent incident in Zandia. A young reporter, named Joe Walsh, is missing and presumed dead. Bummer. Hey, maybe next time Dick goes undercover it can be as Don Henley. That way if they report him dead, at least it will make Mojo Nixon happy. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I am pretty good. How are you? I am also pretty good, I would say. I'm enjoying a Newcastle Brown. Cheers. Do you remember that Venom audio tape that oh, I had? It's too strong for you. <laughs> I used to have this recording that was all of the interstitial bits of dialogue from a Venom concert from the 80s. And one of the things that they said was... Oh, you want some of this beer? I don't know, it's a bit strong for you, Yanks. It's Newcastle Brown. Yep. And one of the other things that they said is, This next song is going to rip your balls off. That's it's true. called Buried Alive. 
He sounds like a wizard. A little bit. Mm. I don't think he is a wizard. No. Maybe a guitar wizard. Mm. I don't actually know if the lead singer plays guitar in Venom. I don't know that either. He might just be a frontman. Mm. Or a bassist. <laughs> you said that with such disdain. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I think in my mind when I was thinking of singing bassists, I went immediately to Gene Simmons. Mm-hmm. And that is where the disdain came from. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> but if you're a bass player who also sings, hey, good for you, man. Yeah, you could be like uh, Stanley Clark. Yeah, or like uh, Phil Lynott. Or Getty Lee. There's plenty of good ones. Plenty of good singing bass players. So... You want to talk about a comic book? Yeah. Okay. So, what'd you think? Man, that Brother Blood is one clever cad. Yeah, very unnecessarily complicated, overly elaborate plan. Gently push the button. (laughs) Your warm finger will activate the laser. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a part where he tells... Let's just jump right into that. It is so weird. There's a part where he tells a mind-controlled Dick Grayson to push the button that will kill all of his teammates. Mm -hmm. But he just says, gently push the button. The warmth of your finger will activate the keypad. Why? Why not just have a button? Seems like that would do the job. Oh, why does it need to be a heat sensitive Why does it need to be a heat sensitive, but not like finger sensitive? It's not like not anybody could push it. Just anybody who has a pulse, can push the button. Well, you had theorized his robots were just... Yeah, maybe he just has a bunch of... A bunch of fuck-ups. Yeah, just a bunch (laughs) of idiot robots. Mashing buttons on things. (laughs) 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 And a big lube holes. And that's another thing we should talk about. Oh, boy, we're just getting them out of the way all at the top. (laughs) So Beast Boy Uh, says some weird shit. He says some weird shit. He doesn't actually do anything as creepy and gross technically as he usually gets up to Mm -hmm. he doesn't harass any of his teammates which is great he does say when he is fighting a giant evil robot that potentially is the sort of being who would just go around mashing buttons willy-nilly so that uh Mm -hmm. brother blood has to come up with a specifically and exclusively robot proof keypad Mm -hmm. but the teen titans are fighting this uh robot and they're having a kind of hard time with it I think, honestly, they're having more difficulty with his death traps than Brother Blood had anticipated. Mm -hmm. But Beast Boy's plan is he turns himself into some kind of a fly or gnat or something, approaches the robot and says, Ooh, what big lube openings you've got, robot. What the fuck, dude? Mm -hmm. How does he know that's what that is? He doesn't, because once he gets inside, he notices that he doesn't have any idea how robots operate. He's like, well, do I push this wire? Do I pull this wire? One's red, one's blue? I don't fucking know. So then, he naturally assumes the thing to do will be to just turn into a jellyfish and lay on some stuff, right? Yeah. Did I read it wrong? No, that's what he does. And I mean, it works. It shorts out the robot. But what the fuck kind of plan is that? It seems like best case scenario, he's electrocuting himself mm-hmm. just by slopping his weird new gunk parts into machinery. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's what he's doing. <laughs> it's, I cannot argue with that statement. Like, why wouldn't you at least like maybe turn into a spider and then shoot webbing all over everything mm. or just pull all the wires out? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to diffuse the robot. 
Oh, maybe he does need to defuse the robot because isn't this the deal where everything blows up when you shoot it? This it was part of the initial concern was they. Didn't oh yeah, initially they were concerned, but then at this point, Terra has already sealed them all inside of a, a real Thunderdome so that the bystanders can't be hurt. There were so many unnecessary complications in this. Brother Blood makes everything unnecessarily complicated. Terra makes it complicated by making the Thunderdome. Well, I think that was a good idea. Like, that way they're all fighting inside of it so that they don't hurt any of the bystanders, if which had been a concern. If you were strong enough to erect a stone fighting area, are you not strong enough to just trap all the bad guys in that and call it a day? You would sure think so. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Fair enough. Corey, you would make a much better double agent superhero than Terra. Well, I really appreciate where you're coming from with that, but I think you and I both know that's not the case. Well, I don't know, Corey. Maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe I'd save you. Maybe. Cyborg. Yeah. You know what? I would. <laughs> I would save you. It's such, she has such a shitty poker face. And for a double, uh, for a double agent, she's so easily flummoxed by the slightest thing. The only saving grace is that it is actually working because the Titans are apparently idiots. I think it goes with their blundering trap philosophy. Yeah, I guess that does make sense. Like, you don't solve problems before they happen, ever. You just wait and then react to things. Well, she doesn't seem trustworthy, so let's trust her. Right. <laughs> That'll foil her. It's what we do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. It is very much in keeping with that, and I never really connected those dots. Good You're job, Corey. You're welcome. I was looking to see if I had any further notes on Terra being bad at deceiving, but uh, all I had written down is that she has a terrible poker face. Oh. So let's look at the ways in which Brother Blood's plot is unnecessarily complicated, because it's all of them. So at the end of the day, his goal with the Teen Titans is to lower them into the blood swamp to drain their, to kill them and take their energy or something, right? Apparently not. But isn't that his end goal when they're all, when he's lowering them on the teeth of the thing into the... That was where we started at, at the end of the, at the end of the last issue. He's about to lower them in, and so he starts off this issue, I can lower them in and then I'll drain their powers. Right. He has them captive at a few points in this issue and in the last one. He could have done that at a few points. He talks about like, good, they escaped just as I hoped they would. So I guess he wanted them to escape and beat up his spider pet and his scorpion pet and his hidden tentacle monster pet and then have them come up with a plan. And the Titans plan, uh, I'm sorry, it... It, it's just everything in this is so circuitous and it's all in service of arriving at a point that is almost exactly where they were before this whole story arc started, mm -hmm. where Brother Blood is pretending to be dead and has gained the world's sympathy. Mm -hmm. That was exactly where they were before they started this story arc. And so in a lot of ways, it's pretty unsatisfying. But Brother Blood apparently has this huge, complicated Rube Goldberg device plot that involves the Titans thinking they have defeated him or almost defeated him three separate times before he ends up back where he started. Do you think he did it all to gain more followers? I don't know why the fuck he did it. Because he's already got the followers, right? They're already there. And so impressing them that he can fuck with the Titans is not useful. No, no. They're fully brainwashed. They're completely in his control. Which is another thing. He kidnaps and brainwashes Dick Grayson when Dick Grayson is undercover as Joe Walsh. Mm -hmm. American reporter. Yes, American reporter, Joe Walsh. Blonde mustache. Mm -hmm. Blonde hair. 
Yep. Okay. They use their high-tech wig detector. <laughs> That's right. To bust him mm-hmm. for that. So apparently at that point, they kidnap him and brainwash him. Mm-hmm. Well, he is touring the Church of Blood with the group of senators and reporters. Mm-hmm. Do the senators and reporters not notice that he has been kidnapped? He was one of the group leaders at that point. Or did they kidnap and brainwash all of the senators? If they did, then why bother taking them on this long tour and showing them how, like, the president, who is the puppet of Brother Blood, is allegedly persecuting Brother Blood and his people and the poor people of Zandia? Why bother doing that if you have brainwashed them? If you haven't brainwashed them, why not just brainwash them? You have that technology. They would be easier to manipulate in doing that than you would if you set up this weird fucking scenario where there's this huge pantomime of like, I'm an evil oppressive dictator and I'm a humble religiously, you know? You don't need to do that. If that's the narrative you want to set forth to the world, you've got a group of reporters you can brainwash pretty easily in not very much time. I think that you should just run for... For evil cult leader? Yeah, because you'd do that way better than this dude. You could accomplish so much more with so fewer resources. I, I really could. Yeah. Corey, I, I gotta follow my truth. And my truth isn't that I'm a 700-year-old cult leader. But you're right, I think I could do a pretty good job of it. Let's, just, let's do it a, just might be easy money, is all yeah. I'm saying. Let's, let's do a mock interview. Okay. Okay. This is Bethany Snow with Wubs. I'm here with Brother Hubbard. Hello? Evil dictator. Um, I would push back slightly on that. Sure, dictator. I'm a good dictator. Oh, that's very interesting. How would you say you are good rather than evil? Well, I don't have an evil spider. And if I did, I would feed him properly. You know how an evil dictator would uh, kill uh, teenagers? I suppose. Well, I don't do that. Okay. Well, your story checks out. Are you 700 years old? Oh, yeah, I'm 700 all the time. Wow. You never age? Uh, Past 700? No, no, uh, 699 and holding. (laughs) We have a joke around the Brother Hub compound. (laughs) This has been a Wubs exclusive. I'm Bethany Snow. Over and out. Well done. Thanks. Yeah, I think I'd be a pretty good, uh, pretty good evil cult leader dictator. You sound jovial. Thank you. I think that's important. Also, I don't know if you can tell this at home, but I wasn't wearing a weird skull face mask. Mm-mm. And, uh, yes, I was wearing a long white Dracula cape, but I wasn't constantly twirling it and holding it up in front of my face in a villainous manner. No, no. Just letting it, uh, flow freely over my shoulders. That's what you should do with the cape. Exactly. The other thing is, Brother Blood figured out Dick Grayson's secret identity when they brainwashed him. They keep calling him Dick. They know he's Dick Grayson. But do they know Dick Grayson is Robin? Yeah. Well, that seems like a missed opportunity. It really does. Doesn't take that much extrapolation to figure out who Batman is from there. Mm -hmm. Or who all of the rest of the Teen Titans are if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. Like, just missed opportunity after missed opportunity for this Brother Blood fellow. If that's where he's at after 700 goddamn years... Maybe it's just all thrill of the hunt for him. Like, he just enjoys setting up these weird Rube Goldberg villainous machinations. But honestly, was part of why the story, well, it's exciting. It's basically a bunch of set pieces and fight scenes in this issue. And it's kind of unsatisfying that there's been several issues of buildup to this point that 
as I said, is pretty much where we started at. The difference being that Brother Blood's plan ostensibly has come to fruition in that all of these countries all around the world now will accept members of his church as, you know, a political or some sort of yeah, asylum seeking that was something refugees. that I, I i know it was a different time when this was written but for right now that made me so uneasy that the idea that this this evil villain's secret plot just was essentially having other countries accept refugees mm-hmm. and that the refugees are some kind of a poison pill that are super evil it was like oh gross just really made me uncomfortable yeah it's, it's kind of a eerie parallel to Yeah, to the narrative that other evil people are trying to set up right now. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, Brother Blood snatches Joe Walsh and uh, brainwashes him. Didn't snatch the senators, instead sets up an elaborate pantomime for them. Is constantly wondering whether the death traps he's set up for the Titans are too deadly and he's actually killed them. I don't know if there's some magic number of times that he has to fight them before he can... Oh, it's probably just like a big OCD thing. Oh, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Like, I have to try to kill the Titans five times. Mm -hmm. Five times. They have to survive each time. The first time has to... They have to kill all my bug pets. Yeah. The second time, they have to smash up all my robots. Right. They have to be worried about not killing my followers. Like, he, it's just all his... But, I mean, yeah, I guess. But it, it also seems like he could just... He has the brainwashing technology. If he wants the Titans to live and follow out the narrative that he wants to set up for the rest of the world, why doesn't he just brainwash them instead of just brainwashing Dick? He should just brainwash everybody. He should. He's got the brainwashing. Just brainwash. Wash, wash, wash and repeat. Just scrub them brains. Mm-hmm. I want him to shine like the top of the Chrysler building. So what do you think Raven's deal is? Mm, he didn't seem particularly effective in this issue. I thought she was going to do some awesome shit when she goes and grabs Brother Blood up in her soul self. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, you go, Raven. Like, finally, like, getting over this fear of using your power and you're suddenly super badass. But that's the thing. It, it, it was like, suddenly she's super badass, but still not super effective. Why did you have her be suddenly badass when it's counter to what you have set up her as being thus far? Because she says, like, I now am in full control of my powers and relish them. When the fuck did that happen? Like, yeah, good question. Like, Trigon's no longer a concern? Yeah, like, it seemed like previously she had more resolved herself that look maybe i'm gonna turn evil eventually so i'm gonna try to do as much good as i can well i can that seems really different than what she's trying to establish here and i don't know what the disconnect is maybe she got a book on trigonometry (laughs) and solved some problems (laughs) oh jeez i'm both appalled and jealous (laughs) (laughs) cheers it's a sign of a good pun Another inconsistent factor is in the previous issue, when Joe Walsh first recruited the group of senators to go and get their Zandia on, mm-hmm. there was this moment where one of the senators totally sets up that he's gonna fucking die. Mm-hmm. It does a close up on his face and he does a, what could possibly go wrong? And the captioning tells us something like, if only he knew. And we get a real dun, dun, dun mm-hmm. moment. There's no payoff for that. 
I mean, I guess he's a dupe and he's wrong about things. Yeah, but the last we see the senators, if I recall correctly, is this is before the government goes to try and blow up Brother Blood's compound. But they say, hey, American senators, you guys are not going to go home ever alive. No, because then Bethany Snow reports that that senator specifically has vowed that he's going to spend the rest of his term in Congress trying to get the U.S. to condemn the Zandian government. Oh, you know what? What? I bet that those guys are all brainwashed. Then why did they bother setting up that fucking pantomime for them? Why did they send them on the fact-finding mission where they saw that the Zandian soldiers are oppressing people? Probably just the brainwashing machine was low on power and so they had to set up a good backstory cut some some corners yeah make it work better it's like what do they say the foundation of a good lie has uh, elements of truth in it or something yeah i say that all the time yeah yeah it's like a shiny chrysler building yeah exactly shine it up yep elements of truth fair enough i don't know i i felt ripped off like i didn't want that dude to die he seemed like a good guy but it uh it was total waste of a moment maybe that's in the next uh, issue they're back in the u.s at this point and they're on brother blood's side so it seems weird that he would kill them at this point this is all fucked up it's all fucked up here's the other thing his big thing is he wants the u.s to now condemn the zandian government it has been publicly exposed that the entire zandian government and every single member of the zandian populace is a felon criminal who is a murderer or a bank robber or something, or a terrorist. But, like, the U.S. government hasn't already condemned that nation. And also, all those people that we see being oppressed, aren't they supposed to be murderers and shit? Like, there's some weird walk back on the population of Zandia going on in here, too. Well, maybe they're like, they started off that way. Right, but and, in and then... the... In the half a year since then, everybody did. <laughs> everybody got they, jobs. They're they, now on the fifth generation of people. They had some babies. They got some jobs. Right. They maybe got they got in a time loop or something, mm-hmm. and uh, barbecued. Yep, and barbecued and thought about what they did and why it was wrong, and now they're oppressed peasants. Yeah, living in <laughs> squalor. Yep. Do you see what's happening? What? We're trying to make sense. Of this malarkey, and in us trying to make sense of it, we are falling into a loop of being confused. So what's the way out of this? Do we harness the power of positive thinking? How's that work? Well, I think we have to get some hologram generators of ourselves wearing bows with the clown masks, and then shoot them with our fake laser guns. Self-assassination. Yep. Ah. It's the only way. Okay. So we're going to go do that. We will be back in just one second. Well, that was a rollicking self-assassination session. Indeed. Self-assassination session is a hard thing to say. Aluminum linoleum. But an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Did you see the crazy face that the me wearing the bozo the clown mask made when I shot it in the dick with my laser gun? What a bozo. What a bozo. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of bozos, Starfire comes up with a brilliant plan when they are all in their first state of have of having a temporary reprieve from brother blood it didn't make any sense to me it seemed like their plan was just they are surrounded they are outnumbered brother blood has already demonstrated i think that he can pretty much fight them by himself uh but he has all of these minions too 
They bust out of the rock formation that Terra has formed for them as a shield. And yeah, they set it up like Starfire has a really clever plan that Terra is impressed by after once again calling Starfire stupid for being pretty. Mm -hmm. But her plan seems to be a scene out of the movie Gunga Din. Like... They're outnumbered, they are surrounded, and her the entirety of her plan seems to be, Brother Blood, surrender! Uh, okay. And it works, and then he agrees to fight them one-on-one for reasons? Yeah, I guess you just, like, you know, I'll appeal to his ego. Yeah. That's my plan. Fair enough. I wish he had just said, You've all been very naughty and you're all under arrest. Mm. That's what Cary Grant did in Gunga Din, which really... It's a super fun movie, except for the fact that it's really horrible in terms of its depiction of colonial India and, like, pretty racist and glorifying of colonialism. But there is a scene where Cary Grant's surrounded by, uh, even saying it, where Cary Grant's surrounded by an evil death cult of Kali worshippers. And, uh... (laughs) Wait, are they eating chilled monkey brains? No. Not quite that. Different. Not quite that bad. Di- well, no, it's it's it is that bad. It's oh, just okay. different. Um, <laughs> just older. Yeah, diff- yeah, an older older bad. But he uh he does say, You've all been very naughty and you're all under arrest, and then he just starts singing a song about I think bread pudding or something. Oh. Cary Grant's very charming. And bread pudding is pretty tasty. I love bread pudding. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not blood pudding. Because that does not seem tasty to me. It's just the I name couldn't of it bring sounds my... really bad. Well, that's also what it is made of. It's not just a clever name. It is congealed boiled blood. That's weird because blood sausage is pretty good. But that just tastes like sausage. Do you think that Brother Blood sells both of those things in his commissary? I think there's like a gift shop at the I would end. imagine so. <laughs> I bet the senators are going home with this, their bags filled with it. Made from real blood lava of my enemies. Mm. Spicy or mild. Maybe he didn't brainwash them. Maybe he just bribed them with uh, the offerings from his gift shop. Tourist goods. Yeah. I mean, they are senators, and therefore susceptible to bribery. I came to Zandia, and all I got was this lousy shirt. And also some blood sausage. Uh. And pudding. Starfire makes a reference to... She talks about being trained by the greatest vegan warriors in the galaxy. That she does. Who do you think are the greatest vegan warriors in the galaxy? Oh, I know there are, there's like a very prominent vegan strongman who wins a lot of competitions. Yeah, maybe like Mac Danzig. Who's he? He's he was a vegan MMA fighter that was oh. on the Ultimate Fighter show. He did pretty good. Is he related to Glenn? I don't think so. Oh, too bad. That is kind of too bad. They should have a reality show. There is a pro wrestler Daniel Bryan who bills himself as the world's toughest vegan, mm. which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Do you think like that guy and? Danzig's brother and the strongman pro- like got together and trained Starfire. No, 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 no. Hub, you know how this works. This what is the the not the vegan are vegans. These are there. Like they probably even say it differently. Oh, like, like with an accent, like vegans. Oh, like Propagandi did in that one song. Which one? I believe it was at the end of their cover of "I Want You to Want Me." <laughs> Naked. She'd never kill little innocent piggy just to get bacon. She's one of them vegans. Ah, vegans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the vegan system. Of yeah. Course. Yeah. So they say it like Canadians do. <laughs> they say it up there. Well, Propagandi's Canadian. Oh, right. Right. I always forget that. It's easy to forget. 
Because hmm. they sing that song about... Shoving the flag up your butt? Yeah, you know, about the, the <laughs> shoving the flag up your butt. It's it's weird to think of that being a Canadian flag. It sounds very American. It really to does. To say that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And also, talk about your complicated plans. Because what he says is that I can burn your flag whenever I please, then I'm going to shove it up your butt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he says ass. <laughs> it's going to be really hard to get that. Yeah, we shove up it up there. the person's butt and then burn it. Oh, no. If you're going to. Very... Well, I mean, take it out first. <laughs> but, like, if you burn it before you put it, it's going to be so hard to get it up that person's it's just butt. ashes. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, think this shit through, propaganda. Sheesh. You know what's ridiculous? I think I've talked about that before on the show. The, that, that song? That, 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 that specific that, thing, yes. Okay. Well, so We've been doing it a while. It's a hot button issue. <laughs> it really is. The, what, 1995 propaganda album, It Can Clean Anything? How to Clean Everything. How to Clean Everything, yes. Uh, 93? Why do we remember this? There could be more important things. I I can't imagine what. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing Cyborg does that is pretty fun is he pulls a straight-up Mortal Kombat move. He shoots a rope around Brother Blood's hand and then pulls him towards him and then uppercuts the shit out of them. That was super cool, and it was right as Brother Blood was about to hit the heat-sensitive touch button uh, <laughs> to laserize the Titans, and he just as he's about to push the button, whoop! Except for that it was part of his plan to let the Titans escape the whole time, so it makes me wonder how long he was standing there with his fingers like, I'm going to push it now, any second, here I go! It really makes no fucking sense. I'm annoyed. Yeah. Understandably how complicated so. this is. And we've been talking about unnecessarily complicated plots for, what, 100 episodes? 160, dude. Because that goes back to the Bob Haney. We Our 100th episode of Tighten Up the Defense is coming up, which means that when you factor in the Teen Titan Wasteland, it's going to be close to 160-some. That's a lot of complications. It is. And if this stands out as an overly complicated villainous plan... After we have covered, like, probably close to 40 Bob Haney stories, that's an overly complicated villainous plan. I'll say. Mm-hmm. Still, I did like it when Cyborg roped him while he was spending his 10 minutes with his finger hovering over the heat-sensitive button, mm-hmm. and then said, Get over here! And uppercuts him to Hades. He sounded like Macho Man Randy Savage a little bit. I was going for a Scorpion, or Sub-Zero. Oh. I think Scorpion was the one who did that. It's been a very long time since I've played Mortal Kombat. They were the same. I was very bad at it. Yellow one and blue one? Yeah. Okay. They were the same. Well, Sub-Zero made ice. Oh, that's... He's a Scorpion made grappling hooks. Total opposites. Right. Right. (laughs) They're like, ice and grappling hooks. Hmm. They don't mix. Like that old saying. Uh Uh-huh. Well, you ready to get into the minutia? Sure. All right. Rick, would you mind singing us in? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part. It's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. So, what do you feel like starting with? Let's talk about one that was hard for me to find, and that was fashion. Okay, sartorially speaking, which instances of fashion would you like to focus on? So, there were a lot of 
tiny panels where people were drawn small. That's true. And in some of those, the clothes looked pretty good, but it was hard for me to make out the details, so I didn't pick any of those. But what I did pick was when President Marcos mm. was being interviewed on the television, he had what appeared to be a really cool blue pinstripe suit with large lapels. Yeah, he was like a president gangster. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty cool. He also had a little pencil-thin mustache. Mm -hmm. I agree. Good, strongman dictator look. Yep, evil John Waters type yeah. guy. Yeah, not bad. I did decide to focus on one of those tiny panels that you're talking about. Specifically, page 11, we see Bethany Snow wearing a very nice frilly yellow top with a horizontal striped pink skirt. It's kind of a weird look for her. Mm. But... I think she she actually carries it off pretty well. We also see what looks like it is probably a better outfit, but you're right, it's kind of difficult to tell, is the lady senator mm -hmm. or congresswoman. I'm not sure which was which. I know it was an amalgamation of representatives in the House and senators that was on this mission, and I don't remember which she was. Mm -hmm. But she's there, and she's wearing what looks like a either floral design or paisley top but it's a very busy pattern top and some uh, nice uh, dress slacks and i think that's a nice look for a senator it's really hard to tell what her shirt is it's definitely some kind of a patterned shirt which you really don't see on senators very often yeah i'd like there to be more of that i would too you know what I try not to get too political on this show. Mm. Yeah, we have gotten dinged for that in the past. Oh, yes. But I'm willing to make a stand. I am sick and tired of these corrupt politicians who are under the thumb of big, solid design clothes. Mm. I want to see some more patterns. I want to see paisleys. I want to see fun prints. And I want to see plaids out of my representatives. I wonder if there's not something we can do about this. I mean... If it is the will of the people. Call your local senator. More patterns. No solids. No solids. Down with solids. Tired of it. Tired of this government corruption. Tired of these Oxford shirts. Yeah. Come on. Call your local senator. Call them and complain and tell them you want them to wear floral pants. Tell them you want houndstooth. Tell them you want plaid. Tell them you want checkered clothing how can they represent you if they don't represent you oh i didn't really think about what i was going to say before i started talking i assume by the time i finished the phrase it would have turned into something it usually it, happens it, it often way. does yeah. that, that this wasn't that time okay what was your favorite sound effect paisley's oh um <laughs> There were a lot of sound effects in this issue. There really Ooh. were. I had a couple of really strong front runners, but there were some good ones. Yeah, I, I got two. And the first one is the noise that it makes when a giant creepy spider thing spits, I don't know what, spider saliva on somebody. Yeah, I think that was on Starfire. Mm -hmm. And that makes the noise spoosh. Spoosh indeed. <laughs> gross. Super gross. But yes, evocative nonetheless. My first was the noise that it makes when a groggy, duplicitous dirt distributor wakes up and forms a earthen shield around her teammates. Mm. And that noise is RUNCH! Yep, that was a good one. I thought that was pretty fun. I also had, as my uh, backup, it's on page 16, and it's during the robot fight. And yeah, it is the noise that it makes her forming a protective dome over her teammates 
and some killer robots. And that noise is rack. That is a weird noise and a good one. Yeah. I had a backup of when a bad secret policeman punches a disciple of Brother Blood, and that makes the noise smack with two Ks. Smack with two Ks indeed. Pretty good. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Any others? No, I There were a lot of good ones. I think there was a spa boom rather than a ska boom. There was a spa boom. It's more relaxing than a ska boom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They let you put it down, put it down, put it down. Instead of pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very clever. Oh, good job. Thank you. Corey. Yes. Let's take this party to the bow zone. What instance of a character calling another character a bozo, either literally or metaphorically, would you like to focus on? Page nine. So loud. Natural bozo. Natural bozo. Natty B. Coming to ya. (laughs) Natty B's in the house. Number one with a bullet. Terra. Terra. Yes, it is Terra talking to Brother Blood. He says, you live. Very well, I know of other ways to dispatch you. You're not going to get the chance to try it, bozo. <laughs> That's what Tara sounds like. Sometimes. It's just like a 16-year-old girl. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, she's an undercover agent. It's like a baby Herman situation from uh, Roger Rabbit. How, what? How old is she? I don't know. We talked about it before where it, it's... I think they're trying to imply that it's maybe like a uh, 21 Jump Street situation where Mm. Deathstroke recruited her because she can look much younger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully that's what's happening. I don't think it really is. Oh, you're trying to ungross? I'm trying to ungross the relationship between her and Deathstroke, but I don't think it can necessarily be done. But I do like the idea that it is like a baby Herman situation where she looks younger than she is, but very obviously talks like the bailiff Zelda from uh, Night Court. Do you remember her? That's the bailiff's name, Zelda? There was a Flo and a Zelda, and then I think it got they got replaced by Marsha Warfield. Oh, okay. Opposite of Bull. Yeah. Counterpoint to Bull. Do you remember when they had, like, the really old ladies who were chain-smoking as the bailiffs? No. Next to Bull? No, that was, that was like, the really old night, yeah. night court. Yeah. Great theme song, though. Mm. We've definitely discussed that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> are we running out of material? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A long time ago, Corey. <laughs> I did learn something interesting about TV theme songs. What's that? You know, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of TV theme songs have versions that have lyrics that were not used as the theme, but were still recorded. Mm -mm. Like Bonanza has lyrics, and the intro to the show is an instrumental. They're not just Bonanza. No, it's a, I got a right to pick a little fight with anyone. If anybody wants to pick a little fight, he'll have to fight with three. That's part of it. Okay. But there were a lot of them. Star Trek actually has one, too. What? Uh, and the whole reason that those exist is because it was the show creators, I, I think, trying to get an extra paycheck. Because even if they know that they're going to have to edit the lyrics out of the song, like the song would be written by a composer, and then the showrunner or the show creator would write lyrics to it over it, and then they would get edited out before they did it, but he would still be credited as a co-author of the song. Oh, clever. Yeah, it's a fun little scam. Mm-hmm. Why not? Is that what we were talking about? Yes. We are talking about the TV theme song category? Yep. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that was today's TV theme song with lyrics was Bonanza. 
you have a timestamp for this issue? I did. It's a pretty clear, decisive one. A couple of them, actually. As usual, they came from Beast Boy. Indeed they did. Fan of pop culture that he is. Really confusing, though, also, because he's addressing that big creepy spider thing and says something about him not being Mr. T. Which is true. Yeah, but why? Why Mr. T? I suspect because in this issue, unlike the last one, the spider does have a mohawk made out of giant red spikes. So I think that is specifically just a reference to the mohawk there. That is quite a stretch. It certainly is. His other reference is, Hiya, handsome. Didn't I once see you in a Star Wars movie? Mm Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Star Wars very much in the popular zeitgeist. And, uh... There had been more than one Star Wars movie at this point. I believe this issue came out possibly even after Return of the Jedi. We're in 84. We're in April of 84. So I think that was... I remember Empire was out. Empire was out in 80. Really? Yeah. Dang. Yeah, you're very old, Corey. It hurts. Yeah. I mean... The first one I saw in theater was Jedi. My back hurts. My neck hurts. Corey, no. I can't get into... (laughs) (laughs) Earlier today... It's not My neck hurt and my back hurt. And I had been complaining about that, and it is very, very difficult for me to not complete that phrase when I say, ah, my neck, my back. (laughs) The 2004 Kia song starts running through my head, and uh, yeah, but I generally am able to refrain from completing the phrase out loud. Just let y'all Google that. It's a Herculean effort on my part. But yeah, that's the (laughs) timestamp. Yes, it is. (laughs) My neck. My back. Corey, every issue of a Teen Titans comic book has an Aqualad, the best of Teen Titans, and also a Speedy, the worst of Teen Titans. In this issue, who was your Aqualad? I had a couple folks in mind for this one. There was some some good actionable things done by Mm -hmm. team members. But in this issue, I went with Starfire. Okay. Because... She zapped the shit out of that yucky spider that spit on her. She zapped... The scorpion. The scorpion. She zaps and, so many Yeah, things. she zaps the three monsters, and then she zaps a bunch of robots. Mm-hmm. She, was she comes up with a good plan. Starbolting everything, planning things. Really mm-hmm. just good job, Starfire. Yeah, she was definitely in contention. I think I decided to go with Raven. Uh, just she performs the initial rescue at great sacrifice of cocooning brother blood before giving Terra the opportunity to wake up and rescue them all. I had a couple that I wanted to choose but couldn't quite bring myself to choose because of other things that they did, Mm. one of whom was Terra. I thought Terra did a really good job overall, but she also did that thing where she talked shit about Starfire probably being stupid because she's pretty. Mm Mm-hmm. She, I believe, says, don't disillusion me that you've got that bod and brains. We've been through this a number of times, Tara. You know that Starfire is intelligent. The fact that she doesn't learn that was like, okay, I can't go with Tara. The other person who did a very good job in certain regards, but I could not give the nod to because of something that they didn't do, was my choice for Speedy in this issue. I went with Cyborg. He okay. was very effective but, in this book. But he, he was in a number of ways. He uses his... Laser, laser finger. Yeah, he uses his finger laser to finger blast the tentacle monster <laughs> that had been keeping Terra captive, causing her to rethink her betrayal, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Maybe? Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. 
She does say maybe like five times in a single word balloon here. Yeah. But he also is the person who sees through Brother Blood's illusion that is the trap that gets all of the other Titans blown up. He does his Mortal Kombat moment where he ropes Brother Blood and then does his get over here into an uppercut. So why did I choose Cyborg? Yes. Okay. It has been established in the previous issue that video camera contact lenses exist. Terra was using them to spy on Teen Titans, getting all of this footage. So very small video processing units exist in the DC universe at this point. Cyborg is on the cutting edge of all kinds of technology. You're telling me he couldn't whip a goddamn camcorder into his fucking nipple or elbow or something? Because if they had videotaped, hell, they could have even just gotten audio footage of everything that Brother Blood is saying. Boom! His evil plan is over. You don't come out looking like PR nightmares. He's trying to kill teenagers. He's talking about dipping them in fucking boiling lava blood. He's discussing his evil plan in great detail. You could be recording all of this. You have everything else in your Swiss army body. You don't have a fucking camcorder. That's a good point. But in the DCU, nipples are very rare. Okay, then put it in his elbow. Everybody's got elbows, even in the DCU. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Why make the plot simple? Yeah, it just... Why solve the problem? It just, once I, once that idea came to me, it was just like, everything is solved if you do this, and you know that he's going to villain-splain everything. Is that, though, a thing that we're going to have to start doing, where if somebody didn't do something that they could have that would have solved the whole thing, then they don't get the, then they get the worst job category? I don't think it's a blanket statement, but I... Because eh. that happens a lot, dude. It, yeah. It does, but god damn it. He's got to have recording technology on that robot body of his. He's got everything else. You don't know that he didn't. Then why didn't he turn it on? You don't know he didn't. Yes, I do. Because if he has that footage and he's not using it, then he's an idiot. Maybe in the next issue, he's going to go testify to the Congress or the Senate and show them a little tape of Brother Blood being a big knucklehead. Maybe. But I doubt it. So, conversely, I thought that Raven was irresponsible. How was she irresponsible? Because of her trigonometry problem. Oh, you were worried she was not able to let trigons be bygones. Exactly. And that when she uses her powers, everybody could go boom? Everybody could go boom. And also she got her soul self shattered because she bit off more than she could chew. It is well established that Brother Blood is more magically or whatever powerful than she is in that regard, and she goes and tries to envelop him anyway, and then gets blown up. Yeah, but that did buy the time necessary for Terra to free her teammates. Ah, Terra would have figured something out. She's so... She wouldn't have woken up in time. They'd all be dead, Corey. They'd all be dead. Except, no, no. Because uh, Brother Blood no. would have waited just exactly. longer. Yeah. Okay, I'm fair waiting. enough. I'm Any second now, you're you. gonna get totally dipped in that lava blood. Yep. Unnecessary. Okay. And dangerous irresponsible, bad for Titans, bad for America. <laughs> That's my attack ad. <laughs> That's your attack ad on Raven. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite panel? Uh, also, conversely, I liked the panel where Raven's soul self got blown up. Oh, I did too. It was amazing. Yeah, I called it Brother Blood emerging from the soul chrysalis as a malevolent butterfly. I called it soul smashing. That too. 
No, it was really cool looking. He He's wrapped in Raven's weird glowing soul cocoon, and then he busts out of it, and her soul self is just in, like, mirror shards flying out from him. And he's just standing there looking triumphant in the middle. Very dramatic. It's really cool looking. And then superimposed over it is uh, a little, like, inset panel of Raven's face being just like, ah, this sucks the worst. Yeah, I hate this. Yep. Oh, that was where I was keeping my soul. Yeah. And also my evil dad, I think. See? Irresponsible. Dangerous. Yeah. Worked out okay. Of course. Of course yeah. it did. Brother Blood probably planned it. Raven, come over here. <laughs> uh. Envelop me. No, trust me. It'll be fine. Just just do it. Just, c- come on. Come on. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> well, Corey, I believe that's just about all the categories we have. Yes, indeed. Which leaves me with but one further question I must ask of you. Mm. And that, Corey, is... Wapoot! In the year of our Lord, 1984, and the month of our Lord, April, Wapoot! What was Aqualad probably up to? Man, April of 84 was a bit of a bummer month-year combo. Mm. A lot of not great things going on in the world at this time. And uh, and one of them, which we, we find Aqualad, you know, he's a sensitive lad yeah and uh we've talked before about his love of music and just feeling good and enjoying things and games and frivolity of all nature one of his favorite like he a lot of people don't know this but he loves soul music oh really yeah oh yeah and marvin Gaye was one of his absolute favorites he's like Anytime, like, there's a, a love interest or a, a date or whatever, he would put on greatest hits, get ready, you know, and just, like, feel good, feel smooth. Like, he loves this music. Mm-hmm. So many wonderful songs. And this, at the very beginning of the month, was the tragic event of Marvin Gaye's dad shooting him to death. And that came out in the news, and Aqualad just went into a kind of a period of uh, being really bummed out about it. Yeah. And... That is unfortunately huh. what Aqualad was up to, kind of moping around. The I get it, man. That is premises. such a fucked up story. It is so yucky. Ugh. Well, he he was pretty bummed out, and as he does so often when he is feeling depressed or upset, he turns to his friends. And so he got up, got out his shell phone, and placed a call to his old buddy, John Gnark. <laughs> and he's like, Gnark! You, you want to come hang out, man? I'm, I'm just super bummed. And Gnark's like, yes, I believe that I will. Hello, Aqualad. <laughs> Hello, Aqualad. I am John Gnark. I live at Jupiter Towers. Aqualad was like, you know what? There's this movie coming out that I think... It just reminds me of you for some reason. They went and saw Iceman together. <laughs> oh, and uh, it's about a caveman who was frozen in the ice was thought out in our modern world trying to adjust to modern society and so they watched that movie and they both loved it mm. super into it just like yeah man ice man's a really good movie mm. they, they they dug it and ganark was like man i mean I've, i know i've already done this once but aqualad do you ever wonder about what it would be like to travel into the future and aqualad thought about it and he's like that sounds amazing. So they went to Montana and Aqualad used some Atlantean sorcery to try to freeze themselves over. And because of that, oh, <laughs> on April 27th, 
Red Lake, Montana got 72 inches of snow. It was a record. Certainly in April a record, too. And uh, it didn't end up working. They didn't end up freezing themselves. They got uh, cold feet, as it were, towards oh, the end. Oh, Jesus. And Gnark's like, you know, I, I, we didn't think this through. I don't think I could adjust again to another modern society. And Aqualad was like, you know what? No, I need to deal with my feelings now. I can't run away from my problems. So they just left Red Lake in the lurch with 72 inches of snow. Dang. But uh, that, in April of 1984, is what Aqualad and John Gnark were probably up to. Nice. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on this journey. If you would like to get into touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. We'd be tickled. We would be indeed. You can uh, find us on the Twitter, the Instagram, Tumblr. That's a place where you are. we are. And you are. Yar. Yar. We can meet up there. That'll be fun. Sure. Facebook. Facebook. Sure. All of the internets. Just, you know, climb up on into that internet machine, jack into the web, and uh, you can hack your way into the system. Hack the world. And leave us a review on iTunes or whatever the fuck it's calling itself these days. If you would like to support us monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com slash ttwasteland. If you do, you will get uh, access to some donor-only content, including the episode of What the Duck, a podcast most foul, that I believe went up a few days before this will reach the airwaves. It is a podcast that Lisa and I do about Howard the Duck, and it is called What the Duck, a podcast most foul, but with a W, because he's a duck. That's the full name of the show. So yeah, if you want to listen to that, then uh, tune in there. If you are not in a position where you can donate monetarily, don't worry. The rest of the show is free, and you can listen to us cover the Defenders and the Teen Titans here in your earwaves. That's the phrase, right? Mm hmm Yep. I sure. mean, what was it? <laughs> what does he say to that fucking robot? Something about big lube holes. My, what big lube open? Oh, God, it's so gross. Either way, it's not... He has no way of knowing that the square lubrication is applied to a robot. What big lube openings you've got, robot? That is gross. Well, now the time has come for me to gently push the stop button. Bye. Bye. And they knew it. have to yawn but it's not happening so yeah let's go oh no it's a weird feeling yeah you know, it's one? a yawn of damocles there you go sorry that's okay <sighs> i understand okay do you remember when you had to burp and i said don't force it or you'll poop your mouth yeah that was gross yeah i think about that often mm-hmm <laughs> Chase Lady Luck till we finally struck Bonanza. With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope, we planted our family tree. We got a hold of a pot full of gold Bonanza. With a horse and a saddle and a ring full of cattle, how rich can a fella be? On this land we put our brand, how trite is the name? Fortune smiled the day we piled upon the Rosa claim. 
Here in the West, we're living in the best bonanza. If anyone fights any one of us, he's gonna fight with me. And Joe and Adam know every rock and pine. No one works, fights, or eats like those boys of mine. Here we stand in the middle of a grand bonanza. With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope, we planted our family tree. We got a hold of a pot full of gold bonanza. With a house full of friends with a rainbow ends, how rich can a fella be? On this land we put our brand, our pride is the name. Fortune smile the day we file the Ponderosa claim. Here in the West, we're living in the best bonanza. The friendliest, whitenest, lovingest band that ever set foot in a promised land. And we're happier than them all. That's why we call it Bonanza. 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 